Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Softball Insider Podcast with Bianca Chatfield. Thanks to Kumo Tire. Kumo defines itself through innovation, quality and customer satisfaction. So your car will be better always when fitted with a set of Kumos. They take care of the tires so you can focus on driving. Head to kumo.com.au to locate your nearest Kumo experts today. Welcome to another episode of the Softball Insider Podcast, all thanks to Kumo Tyres. I'm Bianca Chatfield and I get the pleasure of hosting this podcast each episode that we do do. We've had some fantastic guests already this year. It started with softball legend herself, Peter Edabone. Then we got to speak to Kaya Parnaby while she was in hotel quarantine in Japan. Then last week, we got to speak to Tali Moore as well and her incredible story, but also I just loved her sense of humour. And today we get another special guest and I get the privilege of interviewing her. She debuted for Australia at the Japan Cup in 2015. She has played 32 games for the Travel Lodge Aussie Spirit. She's a Queenslander through and through, originally from Mount Isa, and she's a very proud Indigenous woman. Please welcome Janice Blackman. Hey, Janice. Hey, how are we? I am going very well. More importantly, I want to say how are you and how's 2020 been for you? Oh, you know, 2020 has been interesting, but, you know, um, it's actually been quite good because, like, I'm already an introvert and kind of don't go anywhere anyway, so it kind of worked out quite well for me that I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> like, um, yeah, because literally the only places I go are, like, gym, home, back to the gym and then to work. So <laughs> I was lucky enough to still have my job. So that kind of kept me busy. And um, QES was also kind enough to lend us some gear, all the Australian girls. So we got to do workouts at home, which was quite fun. Um, and then I also did Pilates at home. I was the real like oh. mum in the sports bra in the lounge room with my like sports bra and my tights doing all my stuff, <laughs> wetting up a sore. And I'm just like, God, I have never done so much cardio standing in one spot. <laughs> when I, it was the first time I did Pilates and I was like, no, nah, let's give it a go. I want to do something fun. I'm starting to lose a little bit of motivation. So I'm going to do something fun. And yeah, started it. And oh my God, I have sweated so much in a workout, like ever. It's such a burner. <laughs> I've been getting on the Pilates bandwagon as well during lockdown and oh. far out. It, it hurts right? more than lifting weights does. Uh, and like, I hate to say it, but I'm sure my strength and conditioning coach is listening where I would rather do poles. Like I'd much yeah. rather do poles, <laughs> which is like running from one side of the outfield in the, um, in the field to the other. And I'm just like, I'd rather do those than Pilates because Jesus Christ, I've never sweated so much in my life. Um, I, I had to get a new rug. I had to get a new rug because my rug was soaked. <laughs> like, it smelled like my That's... absolute like just gross self. 
Now, I've been doing my research on you, and I don't know where I read this, but somewhere in a bio that you've done, you said your fave exercise is a burpee. Is that for real? Actually, yes. Like, it's weird to feel like it's weird because I know burpees is the worst exercise ever, but I think that's why. So, when I yes. first started CrossFit, um, because you have different kind of PTs. You also have different kind of yes. instructors and different kind of fitness instructors. I had a fitness instructor in CrossFit who made me do burpees at the end of every workout only because he wanted to put them in. <laughs> so we would finish the workout and we'd feel real good about it. He wouldn't write it up on the board. This is what I found really deceiving. But in the end, I do thank him for it. But after we did the workout, and it'd be something really hard to a point where, like, you collapse at the end. Like, that's what I do at CrossFit. I'm like, it's how much you put in. If I'm going to put it in, I'm going to collapse at the end. That's how I work. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I was, and I was laying on the ground on my first CrossFit session. I'm just laying there, like, just dead. And he comes over and, like, bends over and looks at me in the face. And I'm like, God, what has he got now? Oh, God. He's looking. I don't even want to open my eyes because I know he's there. I can feel his presence. And he's like, all right, our finisher is 50 burpees. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, yep, 50 burpees. And we did that until, like, to this day, sometimes we still do it every now and again. And just ever since then, I've just, like, you did it so much that you started to like it. Well, that's the thing. You've got no choice but to embrace it. Yeah. And you're like, and then it got to like, I started to do little games with myself. I'm like, well, you know what? I did it in this much time last time, so I'm going to do it in this much time this time. So it started to become a little bit of a competition with myself. And I think that's where my competitive drive also comes from. So, but it was like, there was a lot of cussing and swearing to to this love relationship with me and my burpee. It was a lot of love. There was a lot of arguments. (laughs) Well, I want to take it way back now because you mentioned that competitive spirit. Let's talk about how you actually got into softball in the first place. Growing up in Mount Isa, was softball a sport that found you or did you find it? How did you even become a softball player? Um, It kind of found me, to be honest. So I was um, always obviously like just a little kid when I cruised around with my mum and my dad when they played sports. My dad was more of a rugby league player, but my mum was a netball, basketball, and a softball player. And so my mum was a Queensland basketball and um, netball player, and she didn't want me to play those sports. So so she kind of was playing softball on the retirement end, and, yeah, and then my brother was playing, and he started to play competitively. And so I was like, you know what, I want to do that. Like, that's what I want to do. So I started playing softball. Only took like maybe 15 years to learn to throw the ball straight, but you know, process. Like in Mount Isa, like the way we got taught was not like the girls in like all these kind of places, like in Brisbane or like in Sydney or any of those places. We didn't get taught technical stuff. We just got taught kind of the best part about the game so like throw the ball as hard as you can hit the ball as hard as you can run as fast as you can around these bases i bet you can't beat this person i bet you can't throw it harder than this person and i was like well you know what? i'm not gonna throw it straight but i'm gonna throw it harder like <laughs> <laughs> i was i was that kid where all the coaches would be like everyone heads up because janice has got the ball <laughs> still kind of end that player but but like now at least we know where it's going before, like, we had to let the audience know. We had to let the spectators know. Just stay ready when she gets the ball. That's one right there. <laughs> because we don't, know, we don't know where they're going to get the ball. 
we don't know where the sheep's going to get the ball. We don't even know where it's going to go, so just be ready. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. And we know that, especially as an elite player, your speed is one of the greatest assets. It's just incredible to watch you and how quick you are. When, when you were back playing as a kid, what was it that made you want to keep playing and made you want to keep pushing yourself in the sport? kind of I don't know where it kind of came from to be honest um it just become it just became kind of a lifestyle after a while and then when I started making rep teams more and more it was more of the senior players that had this drive that I wanted to be a part of so um when I when I came through the ranks I had uh Jody Barring as a captain and Melinda Weaver and those girls were the most passionate girls I've ever met in this game like or like the drive they had on every single play, no matter what kind of play it was, they were encouraging. They also ripped you when you needed to. Like <laughs> it was, it was brutal to a point where, like, no, I need that. That's the kind of player I am. I'm like, I need you to rip me because if I do something wrong, and I'm going to keep doing it, but you know, if you if I don't have teammates to pull me up for that, like, are, are we really a team sport then? Like, because that's I feel like that's what my teammates are for. And Jodie Barry and Melinda Weaver were those kind of players. Like, they will come and actually support you and be passionate about the game. But if you weren't doing the right thing or you weren't in line, they were going to put you in line, like, real quick. <laughs> real quick. <laughs> That's such a good lesson, though, for any young player out there. It's just how important mentors play in your development as an athlete, not necessarily yeah. your best mates that are all, you know, fun and having a great time mm -hmm. with you. It's the probably the more experienced players in teams that really teach you a lot, yeah. don't they? Because they have honest and open conversations with you, which many people don't do yeah. when you're not in a sport a hundred percent and also like in our culture like in indigenous culture we respect our elders so that's a big thing in our culture so i would never disrespect any elder no matter whether they were indigenous or non-indigenous um i think that's also where that part comes from because you know um we don't really like to call them like i don't like to use the term old i really don't i'd rather use experience because that's what they have they have more experience yes. than i ever will you know like it's I think it's sometimes the terminology that people use um, nowadays. I think I find it quite offensive. I'm like, you know, I wouldn't use that when I was a kid. I wouldn't use that kind of language when I was a kid. And that's not coming with swearing or any of that kind of stuff. It's how you talk to people. And, you know, like, yeah, they ripped into me when I was a kid, like when I was coming through the ranks. But you know what? They did it in a way where I understood. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be better. And I'm not just going to be better for myself. I'm going to be better for my team. Or I'm going to be better mm -hmm. for myself for my team you know and you you certainly earn that respect don't you along the way um actually yeah. i would love to know more about your indigenous heritage because i find it so fascinating and something that i think all of us need to learn more and more about you know where is your mob from tell us a bit about it yeah, so my mob is actually from the Gubby Gubby tribe and the Butchelor mob, which is the so Gubby Gubby is along the Sunshine Coast area and it covers all the way down to Nambour, all the way up to Narangba, and then Butchelor mob is Fraser Island. So real, real saltwater Murray here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but because so, I grew up in Mount Isa, I didn't grow up on my land. So. But now I've lived in my community and on my land for quite a number of years now since I moved back to Brisbane because I live in Caboolture. So I've lived on my land since about 2016. Uh, oh, no, not 2016, 2011, sorry. I don't know where I got 2016 
<laughs> but yeah, I've lived on the land for quite a bit of time now, and it's 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 really hard to explain because some people they don't really understand it, and you know it is it's a spiritual connection with the land, and that's what I find so empowering when I go to places like Perth or um, even down at Redlands because those places are actually traditionally owned land. So. Um, once I get permission from the elders, and that's acknowledging the land when they do acknowledgements and all that kind of stuff, getting that acknowledgement, you get a spiritual connection to the land, um, and it's different. It's a different kind of feeling, and I think that's also what drives my passion when I actually do go, go, go out and play, especially for Australia or Queensland or whoever I'm representing at that time. I will play hard, and I'll always play hard because I know my team's got my back. Lamb's on my back. Everyone's on my back that I'm around at this point. And oh, that, that just gives me shivers. <laughs> like it just makes me feel like I want to get out there and play because it's such a, a special thing, the spiritual element of a person. And I just yeah. love that that's exactly how you feel when you step out there. Yeah. And it's a, especially when we go away, like my first world, we actually went away um, during NADOC week. And that for me was something really special because it was my first world and I got to play with one of the best players in the world, Stacey Porter, and she's Indigenous mm -hmm. herself. And then one of my other best mates, who was one of the best pitchers in the world at the time, was Vanessa Stokes. So going away with these two um, was really empowering. And, you know, watching and even watching Porter play, she's so passionate about the game and she's also so passionate about her mom. She, and she's never going to hide it, and neither am I. But I think that's what drives me more as a player because I see my mob and I see mob coming up. You know, that look at me in Porto and then, you know, we've got a little girl named Lakaya and she's um, she's such an adorable little girl and she never walks past without saying hello or hello and just, mm. just comes up and gives me a hug. And I don't like to feel old, but she always comes up and says, hello, auntie, and I'm like, oh, tell me you give me a hug. Oh, I love you. <laughs> but it's, just, it's little things like that that also drive me as well. It's seeing my mob and being proud of what I've done and, you know, you don't really realize it until you get to a certain age or you get to a certain, or something triggers you. Like for me, mm. it was getting to a certain age and also having my son that triggered that kind of thing in my head. I'm like, well, okay, they're looking at me some type of way. I need to show myself a type of way. I need to present myself in a type of way. And, you know, coming along with that is also being proud of who I am and what I've achieved. And, oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's, and, and, you've, and you've covered off already so many different things and I want to delve into each one of them even more. Um, <laughs> so why don't we start with, like, when you debuted for the um, Aussie team in 2015, how did you, how did that come about? So I want to know what happened. How did they let you know that you're in the side? You know, what was the process from that point? Because I'm sure that would have been one incredibly exciting day. Uh, it definitely was. Like every single time they announced me in the Australian team, I still get excited to this day. I still have the same feeling. Like I'll never lose feeling about, like I'll never just get used to being in the Australian team, like every single time they call me, even in the Queensland team, I'll always like be excited for being in the team. I'll always be like, oh my God, I've made the team. Oh my God, mm -hmm. I'm in the team. Like that kind of stuff. That'll ne I'll never lose that feeling. Um, but yeah, so it was a phone call and then it was an email. But the hardest bit is when you can't tell anybody until it comes out. <laughs> until the team comes out. That's the hardest bit because I'm like, 
But I want to tell people. And I'm that kid who couldn't keep a secret. So <laughs> they used to tell me where the Christmas presents were because I couldn't keep a secret. Um, and I wish I was exaggerating about that, but she's not really not. But, um, yeah, and then I told my mom, and because we were both, like, because when I go away to play, no matter where it is, I never expect things. I play for who I'm in that team with at that time. I never play to make it into the next team. I always play for who I am playing with at that time, whether that's Redlands, whether that's uh, uh, Queensland, or whether that's Australia. Um, so, like, when I'm playing for Australia, I'm not trying to focus on the MPF or trying to make it into that team at that time. I'll just play my best because that's, that's what my team needs right at that point. Um, same with Queensland. I never look to go make the Australian side. I'm playing for my team right there and then. You know, if I make the Australian side, then great, cool. But right now, this is my focus. This is who I'm playing for at the time. This is who needs me more than anything right now. Um, but yeah, every time I get into the Australian team, it's almost it's almost like a it's almost like my heart drops every single time because that feeling will never change no matter how long I've been in the team. Like whether I've been in there for a decade or whether I've been in there for two to three years or five years, no matter how long I've been in there, my heart will still drop when I get that phone call that I'm back, uh-huh. like I'm back in the side. That's so that, that that is that's so yeah. special, and that's what that's what you want every athlete to feel like. In that you know you never yeah. take it for granted, and that every opportunity you get to represent your country is as special as the very first time you got to do it. Um, and you know you got to debut at the Japan Cup. Can you tell us what that was like going over there, and how that first experience of playing for Australia was? Well, um, that was actually my first time I ever went overseas. Like, even before that, the only place I went ah. to was New Zealand. So yeah. that was my first time I'd ever been overseas. So already, I was absolutely scared for my life. I scared I was going <laughs> to die on the plane because I watched La Bamba beforehand. And I was like, this was a bad idea. <laughs> this was a terrible idea to watch this movie before I go on an international flight tomorrow. This was really bad. <laughs> so first of all, I was scared as hell. But, like, I had the girls there. And the girls made me feel so welcome and so like comfortable to a point where it didn't matter where I was because I knew the girls had my back no matter where I was going or what I was doing um but it was such a privilege to actually represent Australia like I couldn't believe I still had that that name on my shirt because I was like you never think about that kind of stuff when you're playing in especially somebody somewhere like Mount Isa because in regional places they don't really look at you and that's the harsh truth of it is that they don't yeah. really look outside any further than Harvey Bay even. So it was something that was never in my mind. So representing Australia, and I'm always proud to say I grew up in Mount Isa because that place mm. made me the player I was, made me the mongrel I was as a player, made me the <laughs> absolute annoyingest runner for my opponents. <laughs> because and, that's, and that was the thing they made me proud of in that community. So... Um, going away and playing for Australia, I was a little bit nervous and I was a little bit to go out of my, like, I was a little bit uncomfortable because obviously I wasn't in the space that I'm used to. But, you know, I wasn't expecting anything less in my first time in Australia. But now that I've kind of molded into it and kind of had more experience and more education around it, um, like, and how to control those things and how to adapt to those things, I feel like I've made it, like, it's been way better. Yeah. So I've gotten, I've gotten used to being uncomfortable in these situations because, like, for example, 2020, like, nobody can plan those kind of things. you just got to be comfortable being uncomfortable at that point because <laughs> you have no way of changing those things. Like, the world just falls where it may. 
reaction. Did you ever dream back then when you first made it, and we know softball wasn't part of the Olympics at that stage, did you have that glimmer of hope that maybe one day it will be re-included? Well, actually, um, I didn't have that in my head. Like, that was that was the thing. Like, it was because if I, I – I know myself as a person. If I get my hopes up too high or if I do something, if I start to look forward to something too much, I won't focus on the task I have at hand. So yeah. at the time, it wasn't really in my head until, like, we got more education, obviously, around when I started – like, because obviously Joyce Lester was a part of our Queensland team and Maggie um, – they didn't really go into too much detail when I was that age. And plus, when I was that age, I was I was that kind of kid. I'd see a bird and I'd be just staring at it for about 20 minutes. Like, I'd be that kid. Like, <laughs> I was that kid. I actually was that kid. I was, I was a very oblivious kid. So um, as I started to get older, I started to become more aware of, obviously, the players I was around. And um, I started to do study and I started to research some of the players I was around. And I was like, holy hell, like... <laughs> things that these girls have achieved like if I wasn't kind a of a big deal already, like, <laughs> yeah I'm like holy hell like oh my god and then um because like where I'm where Mount Isa we had male players that were probably the biggest deal we never had any female players so the person I had to look up to was probably my mum and she was a Queensland player and a um in basketball and netball so I couldn't really relate to her on a softball level and yeah. so when I moved here I got kind of um, actually, no, I lied. So there was actually a Queensland East player slash Australian player that moved over to Mount Isa because she got a job as a teacher. And she, her name was Kate Stearns. She was a pivot and she was a utility player. And she was probably the first person to really push me properly, like as a potential rep player, as a potential Queensland Heat player and as a potential Australian player. She was probably the first person who saw me as a potential person like that. And... Like, for me, I was like, because everybody either had doubt in their mind for me, she had no doubt. It, when I was talking yeah. to her, it felt like she had no doubt. And so that's what drove me more, even more, to actually get where I want to be right now. And, yeah, I think back in those days, I just wasn't really paying attention to the Olympics or anything like that. I think I was just more focused on building myself as a player so when the time did come, I'd be ready. I'd be ready for yes. that kind of thing. And I'm like, I didn't want to kind of focus too much on what's ahead rather than focusing on what I need to do right there and then. Because at that time when they started talking about, obviously, things coming, like softball going back into the Olympics, I just transitioned into the left-handed box because I was never a left-hander. Yeah. I was I was a right-handed batter. And so I... Is that tricky? Kind of, Is that hard to change? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when about two years being struck out straight, <laughs> I had a really bad oh, I was like, I swear I got anger, anger management problems after doing that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, like, everything the, the coach said that changed me into that sport made so much sense. So I was like, you know what? If this is going to make me as a player, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to where I want to be or to get where I can go as far as I can in softball. Like, 
you know, if I don't make it there, I don't make it there. You know, but I'm going to try damn well hard to do it, to go as far as I can. You know? Oh, and to all the young kids, it's listening to your coach. Sometimes they can see things in you that you don't realise at the time. That same thing happened to me in my netball career, moving from a shooter to a defender. I did not want to do that, but it was more the fact that my mum was like, listen to your coach, and I was like, all right. And now I know I would never have played for Australia had I stayed as a shooter. It really did open up my career in in a much different way to what I was expecting. Yeah, definitely, and I feel you in that because also another thing that comes along with it when you're young and I can definitely back this up as a parent you don't want somebody to make your child upset or you don't want somebody to force your child to do something they don't want to do and I think that's the hardest bit in the game nowadays or in sport nowadays is parents getting involved and there's nothing wrong with that like obviously it's a it's a protective parent trying to protect their cubs like in the end you know that's what it is because no parent wants to see their kid upset over anything and especially they don't want to be wasting money on all this kind of stuff just to be upset about it or be benched about it, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the hardest thing with my parents. I, like, obviously that was my mum and my dad. We had harsh talks and then we had other talks where I had to calm them down. And we've had very on and off talks to a point where, like, now I have to calm my mum down because, like, obviously everything that has happened in softball, I've had very a lot of ups and downs. You know, but I've come out the other end, probably the best outcome I probably could have had. Mm. And now I've got to calm my mum down because she's still trying to protect me, even though I'm 25 years old, but I'm still going to be her baby. I can still see oh. that. I'm still going to be her child in the end. And yes, of course. Sometimes you, you know, just got to let the coaches take the reins. Like, because at that that's point... That's right. Yeah. Now let's and talk about your... <laughs> Other, other role, because it's not just about being an athlete for you. Yeah. You take on another role and that you are a mother to your son, yeah. Jaden. And <laughs> you must it must be tricky balancing life as a mum and all the training load and everything that you have to do. Plus, you have a job working for Deadly Choices. You do that as well. And you're a mum. How do you make it all work? <laughs> Uh, I'm very, very thankful for the job um, because the job is actually very supportive on my softball end because I'm also ambassador for Deadly Choices. So they're very, very supportive on the softball end. Um, I'm just very thankful that my child is very adaptable to that kind of environment too because, yeah. uh, like, when I was obviously the weeks I had when I was pregnant, um, the week well, when I found out, obviously very late, but those last weeks I was very, very chilled. I was very. Like, I was very content with my pregnancy and my, because my mum's and my mum's a nurse and so I'll listen to everything she's got to say. And yeah. my midwife also told me, the calmer you are, the calmer your baby will be and the yeah. easier they will be to adapt to things. And that's what I wanted. I was like, as soon as he comes out, we're getting in a new routine straight away. I'm going to keep him up all day and then he's going to sleep all night. <laughs> and that's what he was. So he went from... Because he does sleep all night and he's a big sleeper. And when he comes, because he comes to the gym with me, sometimes he comes to Aussie training with me. He just chills in the dugout and does his own thing. Um, he comes with me. He's like a little package deal. We're like a little package deal now. You get me, you get both of us. <laughs> you don't just get me, you get both of us. Um, and he's just, just got as much energy as I do. So, and that's the great thing about it because he does keep me active. He's, I kept him away from the video games. He does not go near a computer. He does not go near any of that stuff. The only thing he gets to do is watch TV. That's it. Doesn't get to yep. play a game. Doesn't get to 
do any of that. Because I'm telling you now, I'm going to be that mother who throws the PS5 at the window. Like, I'm going to be that mother. <laughs> <laughs> I will be that mother. <laughs> and he is that baby who does sleep all night, which is I'm really, really thankful for because sleep is probably the best recovery for me with everything I do during Definitely. the day. Yep. Because of gym and training and work, sleep is probably going to be my biggest recovery other than nutrition and all the things above it. So I do like to get at least uh, eight hours sleep minimum. I can run on six hours, but I'll be very, very grumpy. Not going to lie. But I'll say things I don't want to say if I've got six hours sleep. And <laughs> when it's eight hours, I love your I awareness. You're all over it. <laughs> I really am, unfortunately. I'm like, don't talk to me. I've already had six hours. I haven't had a coffee yet. It's not even 8 o'clock yet. Don't even look at me. <laughs> How many hours did you get last night? Nine. Nine. Oh, okay. so, which was good, which is really good. But, yeah, it's um, it's good because he adapts. He adapts to all the things I want to do. And he's a sporty kid. He's an outdoorsy kind of kid, uh, which I wouldn't expect anything less because me and his father are very outdoorsy kind of kids. But he's also a very independent child where he'll just go and do his own thing at the same time. It's, um, yeah, it's good, it's, it's good because he adapts to mummy. He adapts to mummy rather than yeah. mummy adapting to him. So, and that's a perfect yeah. setup, especially when his mum is an Australian softballer, and that needs to happen. Exactly. But one exactly. thing I want to talk to you about before we finish up, and that is the Summer Slam. That is the first time I got to see you play in person. I got to see you absolutely dominate for the Bandits. I think you, you walked away with the best batter of the tournament in our Summer Slam 2020. How much do you love the Summer Slam format? It, it seems to really suit your game. Oh, I love it because that's what kind of player I grew up as. That's the kind of player I grew up with, with the passionate and the, the fun, the yelling, the screaming, the getting really excited over the, just the small little things. And that's the kind of stuff I grew up with. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me so excited with the game because that's what made me and molded me as a player. That's what made me fall in love with the game because that's why I love the game because there's so much passion, there's so much energy, and there's so much... Like, because that's what makes a good softball game when everyone's blood is pumping and everyone's on the edge of their seats and you don't know what's going to happen. Because, and, like, sometimes you can see those really boring games. Don't get me wrong. I will be I will be very honest with that, where there are a lot of boring games in softball, you know, especially if you don't know the game. But the Summer Slam, that's what the game I fell in love with. That's the game I, that's the game of softball that I love. And that's the game I'm all for because everything is so intense don't know what's going to happen and there's going to be robs there's going to be home runs there's going to be hard hits there's going to be diving plates and that's what i think makes an exciting game and to me that's what the olympics were about like when i watched yeah. the games back in the olympics there was diving there was home runs there was yelling there was like there was just passion in the game and i think that's sometimes we lack that and i know it does get a bit tiring at times but you know when it's on when you're on the field, all that stuff should go out the window because you're like in the game and you're head in the game. And that's what SummerSlam, I feel like, does. brings the fun back yes. into the game. It brings passion back into the game. It brings the mongrel and back can, in the end. And, and <laughs> yeah. I can tell that just from getting to see you all and 
the smile on your faces, yet you're also competitive, that white line Phoebe when you walk out there and play. But you're all having such a great time. And I think that's one of the most, you know, the biggest takeaways that you can still have a lot of fun out there, even though you're working really hard. Um, I just want to say to you, Janice, I hope that I get to see you up at SummerSlam again in 2021. I hope for you that the Olympic dream is well and truly alive and that we get to see you go to the Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. Um, Your spirit, your energy, it's just so contagious and I've absolutely loved being able to talk to you today. Uh, And I think the standout thing for me is you can't be what you can't see and you are helping the next generation of softballers, of Indigenous athletes, everybody who is from your area. I think you should be really proud of what you've done so far and no doubt you are just beginning of what you're going to do for the rest of your career and for the rest of your life. For your people, I think it's really special. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me too. (laughs) Oh, well, I can't wait to hang out with you in person again when we're allowed to all travel and move into state and all of that. But uh, I look forward to seeing you play. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you guys again. Thank you so much. (laughs) No worries at all. Thanks, Janice.